Hello and welcome to the clubhouse. Uh, it's a new year and we have a new location for our clubhouse. We're down in the basement of our offices here in central London and we have our own uh, radio booth. So you might well be hearing us a little bit clearer than you were before. Um, thank you for joining us. My name is Neil Tappen. I'm Golf Monthly's digital editor and joining me this week. Uh, first up, I have Tom Clark. Tom, did you have a nice Christmas and New Year period? Yes, it was tremendous. The bits I can remember. Lovely. Uh, and Michael Harris. Mike, you're the editor of Golf Monthly. How's how's everything with you? Good. Good to be back. Uh, I think we've got an exciting year lined up, um, both in you know the wider game of golf. Um, I think set to be a really exciting season. And also with Golf Monthly, we're putting the magazine into uh, development. There'll be a new look, new features for the magazine. Of course, um, spearheaded by yourself, Neil. Lots of digital innovation, of course, podcast being one thing. Yes, indeed. And hence why we found ourselves into this in this new booth. <laughs> uh, and finally, Nick Bonfield. Now, Nick, you are looking after uh, the magazines that goes to press and have been for the last um, few weeks over the Christmas period. It's been pretty tough. How are you doing? Very well, actually. You know what? Good organisation, so we're absolutely fine. <laughs> you do say so. <laughs> you're <laughs> a trumpet there, Nick. Um, okay, well, on with the podcast. And our first port of call, it's only right for us to have um, a word about a very sad event that happened last week. Um, it was the, the passing of Christy O'Connor Jr., a very sad moment for, for the world of golf. Um, and I just want to speak to you all about um, about Christy's legacy, really. Um, Christy O'Connor Jr. obviously hit the famous uh, shot at the Ryder Cup in 1989 that saw him... I think it was a two iron, may have been a one iron actually. It was two iron. It was yeah, a two iron. Two iron. Um, into into a few feet to um, uh, against Freddie Couples, which helped us get a fourteen all result. Um, whoever wants to start, I'm not calling anybody out in particular, but a quick word on Christy O'Connor. I, I'm going to be a name dropper and say that I've actually played six holes of golf. Oh, get Christy you six O'Connor. holes. Six well, holes. Well, um, yeah. It was at the launch of um, a course that he designed out in Portugal, Amanduera. I know we've done a lot of photo shoots we have. out there over the year. And um, I think we're blessed in golf. I used to work as a football writer, and um, you quickly became uh, aware of the fact that, in general, uh, footballers' talents were kicking a bag of wind around uh, pitch rather than necessarily talking about it. We're very blessed in golf to have um, some really intelligent guys who are very happy to open up to you to talk candidly um and christy was just somebody like that he was a really charming guy uh great to spend time with him absolutely loves the game of golf um you know loved playing loved um his work 28 consecutive seasons on the european tour that 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 is really impressive and i think you know you've got to remember as well that that's 28 consecutive seasons when it wasn't the jet set um pampered quite frankly lifestyle that is now you know those guys had to get themselves around um you know sort of europe and you know as as the sort of you know golfing world was expanding um you know take themselves off to them fairly far-flung places and um yeah it just came across when you chatted to christy and i know when colleague jez elwood did a really great interview with him a couple of years after i played with him said exactly the same thing really charming guy love the game of golf uh so it is as you say a really you know really sad loss it's somebody who uh, an iconic figure in Ryder cup history um iconic figure in, does, in, does, in irish golf so yeah talking about that shot i don't know um maybe nick you might be able to to talk to us about this but the shot that he hit into the final green at the belfry where does that fit in terms of the great shots that have been hit not just in the Ryder cup but in golf in ge- general because it would certainly be on that list surely but yeah, it's, it's up there with the very best, I think you'd have to say. 
I mean, who can present an argument to the contrary there? Uh, given his how, how old were you in 1989, Nick? Oh, is the first question there. I was uh, one year old. I remember it well. This. No, but I, listen, that's, that's one that's always at the top of the Ryder Cup highlight reel, uh, especially coming from a player who wasn't as prestigious a player as a lot of other guys in that event. Uh, and it's looking back, it's the one that's always played, isn't it? Um, and I believe that iron has actually been auctioned more times than it was actually hit, which also <laughs> says a lot about Christie. Is that right? He's prepared right? to donate his, yeah. uh, I believe he donated it to a cancer charity and they, they raised £50,000 for it. Um, and then I believe it was stolen. And then I was reading a story earlier about a nun coming up to him and asking him to donate it for another auction. He said it wasn't the same one. And she said, oh, that's OK. I'll take it anyway. <laughs> 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 well, that's uh, a rumour. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think also the fact that it was a two iron. I mean, very few players on tour these days would carry a two iron. To be able to hit a shot like that under pressure, it's anybody who's played at the Belfry will know that um, you've negotiated your drive at 18, um, you're in the fairway. Uh, I think Freddie Couples was hitting a nine iron or a wedge oh, into that green, so he was it, miles behind him. And this was uh, Couples in his pomp as well. Uh, yeah. And it's you know it's an intimidating shot. It would be an intimidating shot even with a nine iron. And you know that scenario playing over water, that tiered green. But to hit a hit a two iron, I mean, I didn't think you used a two iron for anything other than closing the curtains or attacking burglars. <laughs> um, so yeah, you exactly. Know. And and um, a fantastic thing to be remembered for. But yeah. he also has a huge legacy in golf course design. And um, Tom, any, anything that you want to say about that? I, well, I think it's um, although everyone's talking about that that shot, and that is the shot that's always played so many times on TV when the Ryder Cup comes around. But actually, I think we've already spoken about it. He's done a huge amount uh, more than that for the game. The amount of times he played on the on the tour, twenty eight times in a row, plus also his course design, which um, I think. Um, a f- a few, there's a few tweets seeing around from all the, all those courses, all those results, um, saying about how 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 um, he got involved with so involved with all the courses there and how well remembered he will be. So yeah, I think that's just a, a that says on a piece of paper. Oh, yeah, absolutely. exactly. I so that's I, a really re- really important point that that Tom brings up there. That um, and again, that certainly came across in his work at Amadwara that he was really really hands on, you know, literally hands on. Um, you, you know, whether it was sort of, you know, moving, you know, shaping earth, um, you know, had a real feel for course design, didn't just sort of, um, you know, sort of jet in and do his sort of prescribed number of days and, you know, f- photograph of you looking at the map and the course design and is it the right way up? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, he was, you know, he really put his heart and soul into that. And that's I think so, something that, that Thomas said, you know, came across on social media yesterday. Indeed, and uh, our thoughts are all with with Christie's family at this time. Um, it's obviously a very sad time, but the world of golf did carry on uh, last week, and it was a big week in the world of golf because a lot of them were playing. Actually, when you looked at the field at the Hyundai, in particular, you had a lot of the world's top play, uh, players playing, and it might be 2016, but it seems like 2015 is just carried straight on because uh, Jordan Spieth won by quite a long way. Um, he, in fact, he shot 30 under par, which I believe, and I'm, this might be false, it wouldn't be the first time I've made something up, but I think it's only the second time in PGA Tour history that someone has shot uh, 30 under par. Uh, Nick, you sound like you, you would know about this. Stato, here we come. Ernie Els shot 31 under at in that, the high under tournament of yeah, champions he did. a few years ago. So, what so saying, frankly, that? a poor effort from Jordan there. Not beating <laughs> that. Uh, as, as far as the overall figure, I'm not sure, but certainly Ernie did shoot 31 under there. And at the end of the tournament, there was a lot of talk about 
someone must have asked the question in the press conference about uh, Jordan Spieth and making the comparison to Tiger Woods and whether he felt he was he was kind of getting to a level where he might be able to achieve the sorts of things in the game that Tiger was able to do. The fact that that comparison is being made just illustrates how far he's come in a year. Um, what do we all think? Do you think do you think Jordan Spieth could be a next Tiger Woods or are we all getting a little bit overexcited? Well, I don't think so because let's face it, now two years in a row, he started each year with a ridiculous win. Um, just won by so far and it's just not it's not spectacular it's just so solid there is spectacular moments of course in it you know in the round he nearly had an albatross I mean he lipped out of an albatross um, anytime that you know I struggle to get 100 yards away from the hole in two <laughs> shots let alone <laughs> lipping out so but it's just so solid it's it's getting quite ridiculous um, any time he's got you know he he has a go at himself for missing you know, by hitting the green and being 20, 20 foot away from the pin when he should be, you know, he thinks, oh, he should be 10 foot. He's, he's getting a little bit silly. Um, which, it's amazing to see. And, I mean, let's face it, there's, the reason why they all um, start all playing this lovely tournament in Hawaii for lots and lots of money and uh, world ranking points, etc., etc., at the start of the year in the sun was the reason why there was such a great field there but he just blew them away again and it some, some of the guys might have been on holiday there it doesn't really matter why they he were wasn't. there the, the point is it was a great field yeah and, and, and they're all champions and they're all yeah. champions and, and like it can be easily forgotten in all of this that Jordan Spieth is still only 22 years old yeah. um it was his 77th start on the PGA tour so he has now has a huge amount of experience behind mm-hmm. him do you are we all getting a bit carried away? he's go, he's going to be on the cover of the next issue of golf monthly so please he keep is. your eyes peeled for, for that Absolutely. with Rory and Jason Day Mike is he the leading contender contender of those three? It's interesting. I think if um, you know, we're trying to draw comparisons with Tiger, uh, I think when he gets in a winning winning position, he does finish the job off very well. He's a fearless putter. Um, interesting. I know you put together a piece in the magazine with some of our top twenty five coaches looking at the the various strengths of the players, and, and you'd say that he hasn't got the most textbook or the most classic golf swing I mean, certainly when you compare it to today and to McElroy who have both got really lovely swings great to great to look at um, do everything really by the textbook it, you know he's, he's got that chicken wing thing going on yeah um, yeah and it's interesting that the, the, the coach that did it Barney Puttick felt that he was um, actually a little bit weak in his right side so he is he does play some sports left-handed apparently Jordan Spieth and he's a little bit weak in his right side which means that his left side is possibly stronger than than uh, Jason Day and Mm. Rory McIlroy and that's what essentially creates some of the weaknesses in his swing they are weaknesses these these elements that chicken wing through impact that's costing him yards let's not make any mistake about it would you do anything about it would you try and sort it out in his position you you could Go on to hit the ball another ten or fifteen yards further, and then it's, I just... think that's a really good question. And you look back over um, time, and you see many major champions in that pursuit of what they believe to be perfection, changing their swings. Faldo did it. Harrington did it. You know, lots of these guys um, have looked to refine what they're doing to make their game and their swing more bulletproof. I'm not sure that it that, that that it always works out for the best in the end. If Jordan Spieth changes his swing now, 
I mean, what is the world coming to? Exactly. We just had that. Luke Donald's been said this week how he almost thought about quitting the game last year. That was mainly on the back of all the changes that he tried to put in Mm -hmm. to get extra yards. He tried to get extra yards, and the rest of his game seemed to fall apart slightly. The bit of the game which actually made him really good. Sometimes, you know what? Just leave it alone and just play some goal. Because I think that that every change you make. you can't make a change in isolation. You can't just look to um, change a swing with the driver. That is going to have an impact all the way through your game, really re- down to obviously where you're playing, sort of half shots and you know shots around the green. That you know that's a that's a game within a game. Um, but I think any bigger swing changes, you can't. You know, if you're just looking for extra distance, and I think that's you know a very interesting point that Tom made about you know about Luke Donald. You know, he's somebody who feels he needs to hit it further to become more competitive in more events um it has an impact it has an impact on tends to be timing and rhythm you know as you try to hit the ball harder you lose um or it's easy to lose that sort of timing and, rhythm. and accuracy as well i mean Absolutely. he knows where the ball's going every shot he knows yeah. it. Um, nick i was going to ask you a quick question before you make the point you feel free to carry on and make the point. put yourself in rory mcelroy's shoes okay he's he's somewhere in the world don't know where I, I haven't seen a great deal from Rory recently. He's taking some time out um, over Christmas. He's watching what's going on with Jordan Spieth. What's going through his head right now? Uh, determination to get mm. back. And I was looking at the rankings before I came in here, and he's about a point and a half shy of Spieth up the top there. Is that, that a lot? To <laughs> that is a lot. Give some context. That is equates it, yeah. to... A major victory might not even be enough. No, I don't think it would be. It's, it's, it's some complex, convoluted calculation. It's one of the most complicated calculations. But he's in a fair way behind, and only that Spieth is only stretching his lead. And you know, we touched about, uh, we touched on Woods Spieth earlier. Let's just give you some stats here. Oh, here we go. Obviously, I can't do a podcast without delivering some stats. Uh, when Woods turned 23, he'd won one major and six PGA Tour titles. Spieth is 22 and a half. He's won two majors, five PGA Tour events, uh, Tigers event and the Australian Open. So I he's think, got Nick, six one, months more. one small thing. When you're above the age of five, I don't think people think in half ages. <laughs> my point is he's got six months more. To my point is he's ahead of the curve. He's ahead of what Tiger was doing at okay. this stage in his career. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So how many majors are going to win, Nick? Uh, into double digits. Into Ooh, double digits. Yeah. Which uh, uh, it would be an incredible achievement given that he is starting his career with Rory already established. So he's going to live pretty much the whole of his golfing life with Rory um, going toe-to-toe with Rory. We haven't even talked about uh, Ricky Fowler. We've hardly really mentioned Jason Day. So whilst Tiger, when he came around... He was so far ahead of everybody else, he effectively had the world of golf to himself and he ended up winning a whole host of majors as a result of that. It might be a slightly different story with Jordan or do you think he's good enough to blow the others away? Yeah, I think he is. Everyone was saying at the end of this year, a lot of people were saying that he can't possibly putt that well again next year. But who actually said maybe he can putt a little bit better? <laughs> and interestingly that he ranked first in putting again this week. Um, so you don't see that dropping off and that is a fundamental reason why he's on top of the world as it was when Woods was on top of the world he hold everything so I don't see any reason why he can't stretch that advantage up the top fair enough I mean you talk Quite about well swing made. changes what's the fundamental reason for making swing changes to be the best and to win majors he's doing all that already why change anything uh, no good point good point uh, okay well let's leave the high and die um, <laughs> and move on to the South African Open where Brandon Stone won he's also Who? 22 who won? Brendan Stone. Oh, yeah. So what did I say? 
No, that's you were right, but does anyone know anything about it? Oh, right, yes. Um, you see where I was going with that, yeah? Well, I know one important... I need two, three important facts. One, he's South African. Uh, <laughs> Is two, that an important fact? He's the same age as Jordan Speed, so he's 22. Good call. And, and three... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't comment on whether he's half. And the third thing I know about him is that he plays ping golf clubs. And the reason I know he plays ping golf clubs is because when he first arrived on the PGA Tour, Ping was very excited about his prospects and what he might be able to achieve. Mike, I know we, we mm. had a, a very brief conversation earlier today about that exact point. Um, he came, he arrived on tour, and then he went away a little bit, and now he's come back and won. Um from what you've seen of the tournament, I know you watched a bit of it yeah, over the weekend. Do you think he's got the, the game to carry on? Yeah, most definitely. On? Most definitely. And, um, you know, I think w- we were both um, in that conversation with the guys at Ping, uh, chatting to their sort of tour reps about, you know, who they had up and coming, who we should be excited about. And, you know, Brandstone, absolutely. said fan- fantastic talent, great ball striker, um, great short game. You know, sort of stating the obvious, really, somebody's just... Uh, won their national um, open. It's going to be a great ball striker, great short game, great putter. But they were really excited about him. And I think that, again, watching um, the final round, watch quite a lot of the final round and also a bit of the rain-affected third round, that um, the South African commentators as well, again, all saying what a sort of prodigy he is, you know, what a talent he has come through. Um, you know, that sort of production line of great South African players. And I think you often... You often forget about it. You know, you look back, um, you know, obviously sort of through history up till, you know, sort of more recent times, you know, they have just got some unbelievable golfers. Um, With unbelievable golf swings, most of them Absolutely. As well. God, yeah. You know, you look at, um, you, I think I, I, it's interesting to see Retief Houston playing, um, it, you know, in the tournament. Somebody, With an incredible beard as well. Great beard, wasn't it? Really good. Really good. <laughs> Going for that sort of hipster look. Um, he's a really nice guy, Houston. Met him a few times. Um, really name dropping there. Yeah, name dropping. Sorry. <laughs> because actually, when I first started um, really getting into sort of golf writing, he was obviously doing well. Um, you know, won those U.S. Opens. Um, great backstory, of course, being, you know, sort of hit by lightning as a, you know, as a youngster. He's a really considered guy, really dry sense of humor. Um, but, yeah, you know, absolute production line of, you know, great talent from um, from South Africa. And, I, you know, I think this will be, uh, you know, a real springboard for, for, for Brandon Stone um, well, going forward. It should be. He comes from good stock as well. His dad played on the Sunshine Tour, and I think he coaches the South African amateur national team at the moment. I think his granddad represented South Gosh, Africa. At that's why we get you level. in to do these, Nick. What I would say though is that South Africans are very good at having success on the South African soil. Let's just see if he pushes Ooh. on now and how he performs outside of South Africa. I think that's a very good point, Nick. Actually, um, I, I don't. Use, we don't usually agree on stuff, but um, <laughs> let's see if we can do it outside of South Africa. Quick question: Does anyone want to have a stab at naming the player who finished second? Oh, um, uh, Tom, Tom's got the list of players. Uh, well, I actually haven't. Actually. Christian Bazen, Toots, Bazen, someone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Christian Bazendenhoot, no, I think. Close so. enough, surely. Yeah. yeah. He, 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 uh, I'm well, what's your point, I, Neil? Sorry, you've no. just put us all on the, on the spot there. What is I, your point? Um, Finish I've, your point. I have to say, I mistook him for Thomas Peters. He looks very, very similar to um, Thomas Peters, Belgian. <laughs> Youngster, we just got an interview with. Um, both play Callaway. Both like to seem to wear black caps, black um, uh, outfits. Nick so, is a very uh, big fan of uh, yeah. Thomas Peters. Very big. Yeah. Um, yeah. As Mike says, we've got a uh, an interview with Thomas going in the next edition. Yeah. And he comes across as 
some of the comments he says could be construed as cocky, but then you finish the interview and think, actually, I quite like the guy. So it's that fine line between confidence and arrogance. But I, he did say that there's no reason he couldn't win something like three events for the next 30 years and reach Tiger Woods' tally. So we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> it's quite arrogant. Ian Poulter-esque comment there from yeah. Thomas Peters. Um, <laughs> okay, well, th- let's leave um, last week's golf uh, for the time being. And we're going to take a small break from uh, the room that we're in now. And I'm going to have a, a quick chat with uh, Joel Tabman, who's Golf Monthly's technical editor, to talk about a major new equipment launch that happened uh, this week. In fact, it happened yesterday uh, from Ping, uh, one that got a lot of attention. Um, so let's hear from Joel on that now. Okay, so now I am joined by Joel Tadman. Joel, hi, how are you? Very well, Neil. Uh, yesterday was a busy day for you. Yes, it was, yeah. Come two o'clock, um, it was very busy. But um... uh, Ping was launching their new G-Range, um, which we have known about since... When do you think we first heard about the G-Range? Um, maybe late November. Obviously, we travelled to Phoenix... Uh, in December last year to um, to see it and try it out. So that was a really great trip. So yeah, probably from, from then really. And um, f- before we get into the G and the new product and talk a little bit about that, just explain why Ping G product in general is important. Why is it something that we cover in quite a major way? Uh, well, I mean, you look at the G30 range, uh, the G30 driver was the best-selling driver for the last couple of years. And the thing with the G30 driver was that it appealed to a whole spectrum of players, you know, ranging from tour players. Obviously, you had the LS Tech version, the low-spin version for tour players and better players, and then moving all the way up to the SF Tech version, which is a little bit more draw-bias for high handicappers. So any any golfer can use the G range, and I think that's why it was very popular. Obviously, very forgiving driver as well. That was a, a key feature that people enjoyed. So, yeah, it's, it's always a big deal uh, when Ping bring out a, a G series range and obviously with the two-year product cycles um, we've been waiting for it for a while um, but and it's been it's been a very exciting launch and I was very excited to hit it uh, last month and uh, the performance certainly stacked up. Okay so uh, let's talk firstly about I guess what there's a couple of new products that are all new products within the family things that we won't have seen before we'll move on to that in a second but first of all let's just talk about the sort of headline product which is the driver um there is one thing about the driver that people are going to notice immediately as soon as they see it which is the new crown design um just explain exactly what it is and what it looks like if you can yeah yeah, of course so the the new design actually it's called the dragonfly crown and it was inspired by a picture that john solheim ceo of ping sent to his designers and said you know i really like the idea of the wing structure of the dragonfly how it's got uh, beams running through it for for support and then the lightweight sections in between to to save weight um, and John's kind of said to Marty Jertson and his team, you know, can we learn something from this when creating a new product? And and they think they've done that with this new Dragonfly crown. They've implemented it by putting essentially beams running through uh, the back section of the crown uh, with thinner sections in between, all titanium, um, which saves eight grams of weight, which in the grand scheme of driver design is is a is a massive saving. It's and that's lot, yeah. And it allowed Ping to um, move that CG even further uh, back and lower in the head to um, increase launch and forgiveness and, and make it perform better, essentially. So the the big question about that then is, it's okay. I'm playing devil's advocate here because I've actually seen it, but it sounds mad. The the idea of having a sort of dragonfly wing shape. Um, adding to the turbulators that were already there from G30. Um, does it look mad? Does it look ridiculous? How does it? What were your impressions when you set it down behind the golf ball? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on on the crown. It's all the same colour. It's all that kind of matte black finish on the crown. So um, I think 
you can get past it pretty quickly. I mean, yeah, combined with the turbulators, um, there's a lot. But going did you on. like it? As opposed to getting past it pretty quickly. Did yeah, you I think you like get it? you get past it pretty quickly. Um, you know, it, it's not massively eye catching, so I think people will get over it pretty soon. Okay, and then the other element they've brought in is this Vortec. Uh, into the back of the driver, which mm. from what I can remember from the early product presentation that we had together, it acts like a bit of a spoiler. It essentially helps the club move a little bit faster through the air. Yeah, so the G30 was um, had the turbulators on the crown, which was there to reduce aerodynamic drag and help the club head go faster. And, and the turbulators continue into the new G driver. But what we've also got, like you say, is this Vortec on the back, which um, essentially acts combines with the turbulators to reduce drag even further. I think there's 11% less drag in the downswing um, with a square club face. Um, so essentially, when the air travels over the top of the club head, um, it sticks to the to the crown and then creates a wake in the back of the club, and that's what slows the club head down. But this Vortec um, essentially reduces the effect of that wake. Uh, we've seen it in lorries, actually. Ping have taken inspiration from, from lorries, uh, which have uh, similar structures on the back to reduce drag and help the, uh, the, the object travel faster. So in this case, the driver club head. So. And... The big question of all, and you will be able, if you head over to Golf Monthly's website uh, or our YouTube channel, you will be able to find all of Joel's um, video reviews of the product that he did while he was out in Phoenix. Um, but just give us a, a top line on what you thought of the driver. Yeah, I was very impressed. I mean, um, the feel was absolutely superb. Impact, uh, forgiveness again, which we've seen with previous Ping G drivers down the down the years, was a, a key performance attribute i think the thing i noticed was how light it felt and how stable it felt not just the impact but kind of during the swing as well kind of felt very light easy to swing um just very easy to hit generally and even my ls tech version which is the the, the model kind of aimed at better players you know that feeling of forgiveness and you're going to get a lot of help and off center hits that was very encouraging so i think it's taken what g30 offered and just built upon it and done it a little bit more basically and did the numbers? How did the numbers stack up for you? Yeah, numbers were good. I mean, I wasn't testing in direct comparison to G30. There'll be a video coming uh, soon on the Golf Monitor website where we're going to do a direct comparison. But yeah, I mean, club speed was certainly above what I would normally get uh, with a driver, uh, about 107 miles an hour. So certainly a slight increase. I don't know if everyone's going to experience an increase in clubhead speed. I think it uh, depends on a lot on how you swing the club. But uh, early, in, early signs were that the technology uh, seems to work. Um, and I urge people to give it a try. comes out on February the 11th, so um, yeah. Okay, and let's just talk briefly about the iron because that's um, obviously it's going to be hugely popular. A lot of people, when they think about um, getting a forgiving set of irons, will automatically think of ping. Does the new G range continue that um, in that vein? And if so, how is it different to the previous generation? Yeah, it does. It's actually got a, a quite a new look to it. Um, we've seen with G30 irons down the years, they have a darker finish, which tends to... Uh, reduce the effect of the size uh, on your eye, makes it look smaller than it is. But we've got to this uh, lighter chrome finish uh, on the new Ping G iron, more in line with the new eye iron that launched a few months ago. Um, and it looks great at a dress and, and in your bag as well. There's some really good cosmetics on there. Um, it actually looks a little bit more compact than the previous G30. There's a slightly more rounded top edge. Um, just makes it appear a little bit slimmer, but you don't lose out on forgiveness. That's uh, one of the key things to note here is that Ping have actually made the iron more forgiving and longer uh, without reducing the size of the iron. And also the, the shaft lengths and lofts are the same as G30. So 
Um, the transition should be relatively easy if you're playing G30 you want to move into G. And very briefly, let's talk about the new one of the new categories that they've brought in. So they've brought in something called a crossover. Mm. Uh, do not call it a driving iron. No, no. <laughs> That's something Ping, that I'm Ping told. will get very upset with I you think if you call it a driving iron. In the product presentation, I described it as a driving iron. It isn't. Uh, it's a new category altogether called the crossover. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Joel. Describe it for everybody without <laughs> using the words driving iron. Okay, I'll do my best. Uh, so the the crossover, like you say, opens up a new category. It's kind of combining the best performance attributes of an iron and a hybrid and putting them together um, in a new club. Basically, it's trying to give people the workability and the trajectory control of an iron with the distance of a hybrid. Ping found that with hybrids, um, especially faster swingers, the ball tends to go too high. Uh, and they tend to, people tended to turn the ball over too much. So uh, by making this crossover club, um, you're going to be able to get the trajectory uh, workability and changeability in terms of the height of the uh, ball flight that you would get from an iron and then the distance of a hybrid. And certainly from the testing that I did, um, it re- the performance of it was really great. I was actually blown away by how good this club was. It, it went absolutely miles. I was testing the four model, which I think is 21 degrees, and it was going over 230 yards carry. So... Um, I think, wow. yeah, I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're looking for maybe something to go in between your fairway wood and your longest iron and you like what your long irons offer you in terms of the you know, the flight, um, if you tend to, you like to play in windy conditions and you like to hit the ball low off the tee and into greens, uh, this is going to give you um, that option um, from different lies. Um, it, like I said, it looks like an iron, so... Um, but it's going to give you the distance of a hybrid. So, yeah, combines all those great factors and um, is a very versatile club. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. And, well, that's that's the pink G-Series. We haven't mentioned the, the Stretch 3 or the hybrid. There, there's an, As I say, there's a new product category uh, called a Stretch 3. Um, mm. Joel, quick word on that. Yeah, so ping of there's three new fairwoods. Um, with the G30, there was only the one option available, but now there's three options. So you've got the SF Tech, which is similar to the driver. It's a bit more draw-biased. Um, and it's also a stretch three wood, like you say, so it's slightly larger. Um, I think this is geared towards people who maybe struggle with the driver and they use their three wood off the tee a lot. This is going to give you a slightly larger club head. It's going to give you more distance. Comes in at 13 and a half degrees, I think. So it's stronger in loft um, and a little, a little bit more confidence inspiring uh, down by the ball at address. But what I found from the testing, the way it's designed with this lower leading edge actually is quite easy to hit off the deck as well. So it's a very versatile club. Uh, if you like using your fairway woods a lot, perhaps more than your driver, uh, and you hit into into par fives, I think this could be a really good option for you. And, okay, so that's that's great. It all, all sounds like absolutely fantastic. So I've seen the the images of the product. I've seen um, some of the product in the flesh. It looks, um, it looks pretty good, and I'm sure Ping will have a successful year with it. But there's an awful lot of other stuff coming out, and Joel, you're off to Orlando in a couple of weeks to see exactly what there is coming. There's a big trade show in Orlando. Um, excited about the trip to the US? Do you know what you're going to see? Anything that you're, you're um, unsure about? Uh, well, no, I mean, I like surprises. I th- I'd like to think I've seen most of it, but I'm sure, well, every year this will be my third trip to Orlando. There's always something that I haven't seen. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Um, don't forget to check out the Golf Monthly website. There'll be galleries and all sorts uh, from our trip over to Orlando. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. And I will see you there because I'm also going. Um, Joel, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks. Okay, so there you have it. That was the Ping G. Uh, fantastic new launch from Ping. Uh, keep your eyes peeled on all of Golf Monthly's social media channels and on, on our website because we have um, an awful lot of content about these these new clubs because they are such a big deal. But we are now going to move on to the coming week on the European Tour and the PGA Tour. And 
On the European tour, we have the Eurasia Cup, uh, which is uh, a match play event between uh, Europe and uh, Asia, uh, in which it's a sort of Ryder Cup style format, isn't it? And it's, it's had various guises in the past. Um, who wants to kick us off? Do you, do you want me to l- read out who the teams are or do we... Go for it. Okay, right. So European team is as follows. Uh, Danny Willett, Ross Fisher, Victor Dubisson, Chris Wood, Andy Sullivan, Matt Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry, Bernd Wiesberger, Soren Keldson, Christopher Broberg and the captain's picks. Darren Clark is the captain. Captain's picks are Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood. And the Asia team are Lahiri, Jai D, Chowrasia, Chia, uh, Appy Barnrat. Uh, Don't start stumbling now. <laughs> I'm just trying to read my handwriting. Two seconds. Let me just lift the paper up a little bit closer to me. Uh, Katsuyama, uh, KT Kim, Ben An, uh, N- Nicholas Fung, Wu Ashan, uh, Prasad Mark Sang, and uh, Jung Hun Wang. Wow! Well, well, well done good. there. I got there in the end. Your vision song contest. Can't believe uh, you thought that was a good I can't idea read. to read out. I know. Read out the I should have known after four that you could just nip in the bud. <laughs> I could read my own handwriting, which didn't help. Um, okay, so who wants to kick off on the Eurasia? I'll, I'll kick off. Um, firstly, Lee Westwood's obviously um, captain's pick. We were saying uh, we said a few podcasts ago how important it was for him to make sure that he um, was very enthusiastic about being part of Darren Clark's first team of the year. Um, he, Lee Westwood also had an incredible stroke of luck in the last few weeks where uh, he managed to finish inside the top 50 in the world rankings once in the last, I think, five weeks. That just happened to be at the end of the year, which meant he got a Masters invite. Was that not Poulter? No, that was Westwood. That was Westwood, yeah. That okay. was Westwood, yeah. So, so Poulter in at the Masters? I'm not sure. No. I'm not sure. I don't no, think it's saying no. Donald, Poulter and Westwood are all outside the world's top 50, and that hasn't been the case for a long, long time. But anyway, go back to my point, anyway. which is about Lee Westwood saying that he's now had a little bit of luck. He's managed to get into that first major of the year already. Um, he's obviously great mates with Dan Clark. This is, I think, a very big weekend for him. If he has a really good uh, week, not only on the course, but also probably more importantly off the course, looking to look after all those young uh, Brits that we have in, in that team, I think Dan Clark will just want him to be in his Ryder Cup team straight away. Obviously, if he has a bad week, it might be, might go a little bit differently. But he's also so good playing at that part of the world. Uh, he's had a lot of success over there, and I think it could be a, 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 a springboard to a very good year for him. And is is this week significant in any uh, in any way apart from just this week? Is it significant from a Ryder Cup perspective? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see some of Darren Clark's pairings and whether that's uh, basically a. a um, an example of what's going to come in the future because there are like t- players like Sullivan, like Fitzpatrick, like Willett who could well be on the side, like Lowry. So it'll be interesting to see if he pairs any of them together or if he pairs them with a the Westwood, you know, with a view to that being the situation in six, seven, eight months' time. Uh, interesting just to see how Clark conducts himself, his rhetoric, you know, how comfortable he feels because obviously it's not the real thing, but it is, you know, an, an event with many parallels and it's his first time doing this unless he captained one of those lesser match play events a couple of years ago I can't quite remember but it could be quite telling listen it's a it's a low-key event compared to the Ryder Cup but that doesn't mean we can't learn things going forward no I think it's I think it's very important that um, Europe put in a good showing in this I think that you gain a lot of confidence the guys don't play an awful lot of match play golf whether it's as individuals or part of a team Uh, and I think the thing that has carried Europe through so many Ryder Cups in 
um, recent years is that team spirit, that togetherness, playing for for one for one another. It's something the Americans just have struggled to sort of capture that essence on a repeatable basis. Um, so do you, you think these these events do make a big d- difference? You think that when the Ryder Cup comes around, some of these players will look back on things like this and they'll draw confidence from? De- definitely. I think it's it, it's experience, it's confidence. Um, you know, it, it's playing with guys who, you know, as Nick said, you know, it might, may well be, you know, come the Ryder Cup in September that, um, you know, I would think that Willett, Sullivan... Um, would definitely make the team. I, I, I would. Well, and but just looking at the list, I mean, you, you think Willett, Willett, Sullivan, Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's he's on the good he's in there at the moment. L- Lowry, certainly. Lowry, um, and then you know, you, then you've got to look at the rest of them. And think mm. at least one of them is probably going to get in there. A Chris yeah. Wood or a Soren Keldson or a Bernd Wiesberg, and they, they, they yeah. are right on the yeah. on the verge. And if that happens, I've got to say you wouldn't actually be that dis. You know, if that was your riding, it would side. not be a bad side. Okay, you're missing. You be, you know, quite a lot of McElroy, quite a lot of Brits. In yeah, there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You're missing. Out I mean, few, but I think that's one of the things here, as yeah, a right, but, if, as a European fan, Ryder Cup fan, not just of Europe. Um, <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much you, for clarifying just, that. It just shows actually how strong. Uh, the yeah. depth actually that Europe still have I think we've mentioned before America have a lot of very very strong young players coming through at the moment I think it is going to be a really good Ryder Cup because of that a lot of different faces mm. yeah I would think on both so. sides but, but um, for, yeah sorry but, but, oh, Nick no, no sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm so polite, polite. but um, <laughs> I mean that team at the moment has got six seven Englishmen in there um, you think how strong suddenly the, the British um team suddenly would, would look like a, a, mm. again but um i think yeah i think it, i think this is such so important i think some of these people i don't know if actually some of these guys are as um cemented into the Ryder cup team as as much as some others think actually i think they could be under a little bit of pressure and i think they've got to show here on this first stage that they can take it i remember when rory was a was a teenager and he played in the sevy trophy when paul mcginley was captain um that was just he was kind of really starting to just go up to the the other stage. And I think he had, they had a really good time together. They had great fun. Rory then backed McGinley to get the Ryder Cup captaincy, and he was by far and away the captain of that team on the playing front. Well, it's a good point. Are we going to learn anything about Darren Clark during this, or again, is it is it too different and too? divorced from the Ryder Cup to really gain any kind of insight into what he's going to be like as a captain. Well, I think we'll learn some things about his strategy and tactical now, but just quickly going back to what Tom said, I think this is almost an audition for some of those fringe mm, players. When yeah. Clark is looking to make his captain's picks down the line and he looks back, okay, this guy performed very well for me in the Eurasia Cup, which admittedly is a different stage, but the pressures and the tensions are the same, you know, being three down with five to play. How does he respond in that situation? And the players themselves, we mentioned whether it's a useful exercise for them, or well, they can look back on a time when perhaps they were behind in a match yep. and they surge through to win. So it's it's invaluable experience. It really is. I also think, sorry, uh, on another point, it would be slightly remiss not to mention the strength of Asian golf here. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, looking at uh, that team, it's four, very strong. As well. If they win that, they've yeah. done very well. Four yeah. Asian players in the world's top 40 at the moment, which is quite something. No, it is. And th- just looking at it, there are some, some players that they're, they're, they're underrated, aren't they? Some of these guys, they're, they're guys that they do play a bit in Asia on the Asian tours. They play a bit on the PGA tour, they play a bit on the European tour. They never really, to us, looking at it probably from a European tour, slightly uh, European tour bias, they never really sort of set their home on the European tour. They play all over the world and they make their mark in all of these different 
um, in these different areas. Now, interestingly, it's um, Lahiri who qualified, I think, I'm pretty sure he qualified at the top of their rankings. Um, he's been a fantastic player and, and, and it's the likes of these guys that come through. They are world class, aren't they? Well, Lahiri, what, I think he got into the world's top 25 because he won the Indian Open and the Malaysian Open early this year. Jaidi continues to be a very strong performer, won last season. Ben Ann won European Tour Rookie of the Year, won at Wentworth. Uh, Kiradesh Afi Barnrat won twice. People like Pride Mark Sang, uh, experienced veterans who um, will feel very at home in, in this type of competition. And people like Katie Kim, promising youngsters. I'm not going to pretend that I know the ins and outs of everyone on that side, but there are certainly more names there that I recognise. And, and a lot of them have President's event. Cup experience. Yeah, yeah I was gonna, that's what I was going to mention. That President's Cup was only a couple of months ago, and some of them played really well on that. I think one thing to remember is this is only the second time this has been played, and the first time was a draw. And it was a really good um, final day, you know, right up to the last match, obviously, when it was a draw. Um, So, you know, no no one's actually won it yet. So I think, again, it should be really good, stiff competition and great uh, preparation ahead of, again, the Ryder Cup. And And, and great teams to match play golf on the team. Yeah, team match play golf. Couldn't agree more. um, You know, sometimes it can be a little bit of an effort getting up early to, uh, to watch some of the European tour events from... Um, from Asia, but but this should you know, I would think viewing figures would be would be good this week. Yeah. The strength of the team says a lot about the growing prestige of the event, and, and it can only be good to have a supporting cast of match play tournaments and the desire for players to get into the Ryder sure. Cup, certainly from a yeah. European perspective. Um, okay, let's move on from the Eurasia Cup and now talk about the Sony Open. So, uh, Hawaii uh, is on the again again. Oh dear, my heart. I know it's a tough start on the PGA Tour, isn't it? And it's a tournament that has been won by Jimmy Walker the last couple of times. Um, he would lead the betting. Uh, going into this one um, but you've also got some other top players there uh, who wants to kick off about the Sony Open Nick you, you, this is the sort of event that you would know an awful lot about who, who do you think is going to play well apart from Jimmy Walker I think looking at the field it's interesting to note how, how strong it is you've got the likes of Adam Scott Matt Kutcher Kevin Kisner uh, in, the, in the field and Russell Henley as well who is always someone to watch out for there I believe he won his first ever PGA Tour event there and shot something like 26 under par in his first event. So keep your eye on him. I need to go and play in Hawaii. There's some yeah, low, low scores going, going, on, going on there. I, I really, <laughs> Might be able to make the buffer. <laughs> really like the look of Kevin Kisner this season. I think he's a class act. He's got all the tools, so look out for him. To do yeah, that. he is good, and isn't he? Came he? Clo- well, came close. No, speed one by eight shots, but he performed well last week. <laughs> you can tell he's getting good because I'm, I'm starting to stop calling him Kevin Costner. Yep. <laughs> so which means that I'm obviously referring to him quite a lot. I mean, he's, a, he's a world top 25 player now. What, um, Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, Is he really? Fantastic. Yeah. Um, we've also got Zach Johnson in the field and Zach Johnson, might, you might know a little bit about mm. this, has moved um, equipment manufacturers over the, uh, over the holidays. He, he has. I mean, it, it, I've I was really um, interested to see it. The brand is moved to his uh, PX3 or Parsons Extreme Golf now. Uh, really interesting sort of backstory to this. The guy who is the owner of Parsons Golf uh, is a complete golf nut. He comes from, he set up, you know, those sort of semi-irritating GoDaddy, um, <laughs> you know, sort of website ads. You know, if you want to set up your own website, yeah. GoDaddy do that. That was his company. Okay. Um, or he was very involved in it. Obviously, mega, mega wealthy, loved golf equipment, um, loved playing golf. Uh, said he spent something like 
it was a crazy amount. It was like $50,000 a year on golf gear. He must have bought everything. <laughs> um, he must have hit more golf product than you did. Yeah. <laughs> but he wanted to, wanted to come up with his own um, brand that really no expense spared. Uh, and he recruited two of Ping's senior designers, um, Mike Nicolette. And Brad Schweiger. And Brad Schweiger, yeah, absolutely. And those are guys who are responsible for some of the really standout Ping products in recent years. I know that a big loss for Ping. Um, and they've had Ryan Moore playing um, Parsons for um, for a few years. Very high end, very expensive. Um, we're looking forward to trying um, hitting some product in Orlando, Out in, Orlando. in a couple of years, a uh, couple of years, a couple of weeks to the to the trade show. And they've also signed Billy Horschel. Uh, there's Horschel, a couple of other guys James as well. Hahn, yeah, a mm, couple of other pretty high-profile names. Yeah, they, they sort of announced they this sort of tour staff of about tw- I think it's about twelve across um, men's and ladies tours. And Zach Johnson, obviously as the current Open champion. Um, who has played Titleist for a long time, um, to get him to switch for somebody like that, it won't be about the you know about the money. He must have really liked something about uh, the way it that must the have products... been a little bit about the money. Yeah, like. I'm sure it will be, but it's not you know at that level. It's not all about the money though. It, it won't be because for Zach Johnson to go out and to win another major to defend his open championship he's got to trust the equipment he's playing um, and will he feel under pressure so this yeah, is, I definitely. think it's his second week in this yeah, week definitely. he's going to feel under pressure yeah. to perform using yep. it yeah most definitely and um, he, he came up with I can't remember what the phrase was it was a very American you know sort of him and his team went through a sort of validation process <laughs> of the, uh, it was an even it was a it was a real Americanism basically meant that he'd hit a lot of golf balls with the with the new clubs and and, and they worked for him but yeah big name signing for for Parsons um be interesting to see how you know uh, you know how the guys go yeah um I expect he'll still be playing pretty certainly he'll still be playing Titleist Pro V1 golf ball which um you know will probably be the thing that you know players are least uh, or most reticent to change so um if he's playing the same golf ball probably the Equipment side of things is maybe a slightly easier switch because it makes a difference. Yeah, it? and and Tom, anyone else in the field that you would highlight as a potential? Well, I think Jimmy. Winner? Firstly, I don't think we said quite enough about Jimmy Walker. He's well, going, no, but he's going for the three peat here. <laughs> so I just is. wanted to say three peat. Um, um, and he played all right last week. Actually, shot I think eight under on Saturday. Uh, to get himself into contention and then shot only one under on the Sunday. So he's not in awful form. But the, just looking through the list, um, as ever I do, the one I've got a little mark by is Danny Lee, actually, who's yep. who's out at 50-1, to one, which I think is quite long odd uh, for someone who's playing well, played well again last week and ended last season really on a high. So he's someone I think perhaps should, could um, have, a, have another good season. And there is an event on the European Tour this week. Just a, a very briefly, let's uh, touch on the Joburg Open. Tom, um, who? What's the field looking like for the Joe Berg? Lots of South Africans. <laughs> Strong on South Africans. To be honest with you, as we've already mentioned, um, obviously some of the guys which probably would have been playing in this are playing in the Eurasia Cup. So you've got to think that the likes of Schwartzel and Grace, I mean, I don't even know if Schwartzel's playing. Grace? No, neither of them. Well, well good good research <laughs> there, Neil. Jakob van Riel, who's playing really well at the moment, yes. he's, he's the favourite. Um, he's 11-1. He's to one. Um, you know, He played 
reasonably well last week. I think he'd probably be quite disappointed to only finish, I think he finished 19th last week. So I think he thought he was going to finish uh, top 10, top 5 there. But again, we've got Brandon Stone, we've already mentioned again, he's now suddenly going to be at that forefront. But I think he's actually a good uh, tournament this week for one of the guys probably a little bit further down the rankings to have a good start to the year. Go on then. Um, now you put me on the yep. spot. Tyrrell Hatton, I think, starts. Ooh, Tyrrell Hatton, yeah. Yeah. Tyrell Hatton yeah. It could be a big year for Tyrrell. Yeah, um, good friend. Sec- friend second favourite there. Uh, to get over the line friend of the year. show, <laughs> no less. He's actually a, he has appeared on one of our podcasts. Um, Certainly, him and Eddie Pepper are the two other young English guys who I think might fare quite well this season. Good, good call. Cool. Yeah, and the one I was going to highlight um, was Paul Dunn, who was supposed to play last week, and I tipped him up saying, you know, he's going to be really excited for his first full season tour and stuff like that. And he like got that. the lurgy, he, he, got, he, um, there, yeah. he had um, a bad. Um, I don't know, Hippo Burger or something or whatever they have out in South Africa. <laughs> and uh, was was ill on the Thursday morning. So he's going to be, I think, really fired up this week if he's well enough and hopefully he is. Um, and I think he's someone who's really going to be up for it and hopefully this could be the chance for him to have a, uh, have a great first week. How did your tips do last week, I'm um, interested, Tom? Um, the, not, not my best week, but, um, you know, early days, early days. Nick. Uh, you, but you can't legislate for illness. No, no, that, that, that didn't. Was, as soon as I woke up on Thursday morning and saw that, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't overly hopeful of the rest <laughs> of my tips, to be honest with you. Um, but for anyone who is interested in uh, the Golf Monthly Betting Tips, go to uh, the Golf Monthly website and uh, our brand new homepage for the betting tips where you'll see how well I'm doing and hopefully you make a bit of money. And last year, uh, if you uh, cumulative last year, how'd you go? I was I was up. I think that's what we'll say. What more evidence do you need? Exactly, it, uh, that's a good place to go. Um, well, uh, one more plug for Golf Monthly before we go. Um, if you are interested in Paul Dunn, he also appears in the uh, latest issue of Golf Monthly um, with a, uh, it's a piece that I wrote and a fantastic headline, which is uh, "Boy Done Good." Um, to keep your, keep your eyes peeled for that. I thought you were going to say, and a fantastic piece. It doesn't like that modesty, this guy. <laughs> um, so, yes, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, in the meantime, yeah, as we said before, please keep an eye um, out for Golf Monthly's various social media channels. We're doing lots on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we've got an awful lot going on on our website, and this is big equipment launch time of year. So there's a lot of things in the pipeline. Um, you will only find out about it through going to these places first. So please do follow us on those um, social media channels. Um, And until next week, I wish you goodbye.